It's good to be in God's house on Wednesday night. Man. Amen. One more time, shake hands with somebody and smile. Maybe the first one they've seen all day. Amen. And then we're going to get into the Word of God. Praise God. I, uh, I don't know when I've been as excited about anything I've preached or tried to preach. Not that what I preach is that great, but I've never, I don't remember being as excited about what the Lord has been talking to me about as I have what I want to talk to you about tonight. It's a continuation of what we started last Tuesday or last Wednesday night about the Lord's Prayer. I, I kind of feel like that old guy, that the, the preacher that what God woke him up in the middle of the night and gave him a message and he got so excited he woke his wife up and said, Honey, get out of bed. i got to preach you a sermon God just gave me. She opened one eye and she says, And you do, it'll be your last one. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> I hope it's not my last one, but I I hope that I can share with you what I have felt the Lord talking to me about. Luke chapter 11. We appreciate your being here. Our guests, we welcome you tonight. Brother Tally, always good to see you. And uh, who else? Tilly, Brother Tilly, Tally. Tilly, that's right. Uh, Mary, good to have you here tonight. God bless you. Church family, it is a little different. Uh, and... Our kids from now until Christmas, Wednesday night's going to be practice night, so make sure you have uh, them here. They've got a wonderful Christmas musical they're going to be presenting, and uh, I know they're going to do a great job. Luke chapter 11, verse number 1, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, I want you to underline those three words, because he did not say, If you pray, but when you pray. You are going to pray. One way or the other, you're going to pray. Oh, hey, folks, we heard it a while ago, 9-11. People that didn't even believe in God were praying on 9-11. Um, you're going to pray, but when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to talk to you tonight about um, I, last week I talked to you about the power of prayer. I'm going to change the title a little bit tonight. I want to talk to you about learning through 
the power of prayer. Learning. Everybody say learning. Learning. One of the things that was talking with Brother Kilgore today, and he reminded me of something that I have heard him uh, preach, and he put in me as just a young minister, is that Jesus taught principle before he taught power. If you go to the beginning of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he begins the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount with what we call the Beatitudes. And they are checkpoints for you and I to uh, bring our life into measurement to. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemaker and so forth. You know all about those. Those, and again, I'm going to go back to something that I said last week. Matthew was a tax collector, and I believe, and I believe that uh, the historical evidence will bear it out that many of the things that Matthew recorded about the life of Jesus were done in a chronological type order because that's how he thought as a numbers person. He put things in order. And so understanding that, I do not believe that it is mere coincidence that the first thing that he put in the order of the Sermon on the Mount was what we call the Beatitudes because those were principles that you have to get before you can ever know the power of God. And if you don't get the principle, you're never going to get the power. And there are a lot of people that are confused today in their spiritual life because all they pursue is the power of God, but they don't want anything to do with the principles of God. They don't want anything to do with the thou shalt nots. That's too narrow-minded. That's too uh, legalistic. And so we live in a culture that ignores principle but hungers for power. But Jesus taught that if you want to know my power, you have to first embrace my principle. you got to first get connected to the reason for the power. And that's the principles. And so when you get the principle, he goes on in the beatitude and he gets down to the power, which basically is the sermon that we're talking about tonight, what the Lord's Prayer was in Matthew, he included that in the, uh, what, what's called the Sermon on the Mount. So before you can em- embrace and know the power of God, you have to understand the principles that are, that are behind what God's doing. Amen. Everybody said amen. And so when you understand the principle, then you can understand the purpose, the reason behind the thou shalt not. The reason a lot of people, they, they balk at uh, any kind of, uh, of, of restriction in the Christian life or the spiritual life 
and they say that's legalism and they look at the the Ten Commandments as if they were suggestions. I, I read the other day of a pastor of a large church in another state who's not even married to the woman that he's living with. But he gets up every Sunday and he teaches people about power and wealth and all of that. That's a little bit of... But I'm, that's the state. I'm not just using one isolated. That is the state and the culture of religion in America right now. We don't want to have anything to do with the thou shalt nots. All we want to know is the power that can enable us to get wealth or riches or get us down the road or get us in a better position than we're in right now. But Jesus taught the opposite. He taught that you can't know my power until you embrace my principle. And when you embrace my principle, then you can understand my purpose. You understand the reason behind thou shalt have no other gods before you. That's not just a selfish, egocentric, ego-centered deity somewhere that's caught up in himself. But he's trying to help all of us understand that you don't need any competing interest when it comes to your spiritual life. You need to have one focus, one God, one purpose. And when you get your mind centered on him and him alone, then it makes other things in life fit together and make sense. Am I making sense so far? So there is a principle. And when you begin to study the life of, the, of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus, you will discover that whether it was a parable or whether it was a miracle, there is a principle embedded in everything that he did that reveals the power of God that, that is on display. And there is a principle that is revealed in our sermon here tonight or our message to you about this prayer that, that we call the Lord's Prayer. And I, I told you last week that's a misnomer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It was the disciples' prayer. But we call it the Lord's Prayer because it's easier for us to identify with that. It sounds a whole lot better when we say the Lord's Prayer than our prayer. But the truth is He was teaching us how to pray. And so there are principles. And so that that's going on in my mind as I begin to read through this, this prayer. And as I begin to read through and I begin to see all of the areas of life that this prayer touches, I realize that he was doing more than just giving me things to say. He was trying to help me develop a pattern in my life of how prayer should work, and when it operates like this, it works best, and it produces the best result. And last week I told you, it begins with Him. And when you start up there, then you can bring the power of God down into your everyday life and your everyday affairs. And the prayer that Jesus taught these disciples touched on every element of life, present past, future, your needs, your sin, your failure, your frustrations, 
and the unknown things of the future, all of those are encompassed in that prayer. So the Lord taught us that when you pray, prayer encompasses everything that pertains to your life, that everything that is needed in your life can be found in the power of prayer. That's why you and I need to pray. Not because a preacher tells us to pray, but because when we do pray, it opens to our life answers for every area of need in our life. And it directs us in the right direction concerning everything that we have to deal with. And so when you look at the Lord's Prayer, no wonder... I hope you can understand why I've been so intrigued by this old and familiar passage. I, 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 there's something about it that I, I, and I don't want to get lost tonight. I realize I have a limited amount of time and it's easy to get sidetracked when you study something like the Lord's Prayer. But I want to tell you what I'm not here to do. Number one, I'm not here to define prayer for you. I'm not going to try to define prayer. You, you ought to already know that the definition for prayer. If you don't, see me after church and I'll, I'll try to help you. But I'm not here to try to give you a definition for prayer. And my purpose is not to teach you how to pray. Although I need to, probably, at some point. Some people need to be taught how to pray. The mechanics of prayer. I'm not here to go through the mechanics of prayer. And there are certain aspects of prayer that you should always be mindful of when you pray. And I am not here to tell you of what prayer consists of, nor to teach you what to say when you pray, or the words to repeat. What this study is about tonight is the purpose of prayer. To me, when I read this prayer the last few weeks it began to talk to me in ways that I've never had this prayer and passage talk to me. And what began to draw my attention in particular were the benefits of prayer. That when you and I pray, there are certain things that are gained by that person who prays. That when you and I talk to God and we open our lives to Him, there are things that we gain by prayer that you cannot get anywhere else. You can't read it in a book. You can't go to a class and be taught those things. You can only learn it in the atmosphere of prayer. You can only learn it when you humble yourself before God and you open your mouth and you begin to talk to God like I'm talking to you. Only in that atmosphere can you learn what prayer can do for you and the advantages that it gives your life. Now, how long has it been since you've looked at prayer as an advantage? Most people look at prayer as an obligation. I have to pray. I need to pray. But when have you looked at prayer from the aspect of the benefits that when you pray, your life is going to be enhanced? That when you pray, 
something, there's going to be something that transpires in that interchange. And it doesn't matter how simple your words are. They don't have to be elaborate. There's even a, a, a lesson that Jesus gives us about the pretentious prayers of those pious people who thought they were somebody and that simple man who just came in and beat on his chest and said, I'm a sinner, forgive me God. And God said, I heard his prayer, but I'm not paying one lick of attention to that man because he's not really praying. He's just talking to himself. When is the last time that when you went to prayer, you went to prayer knowing that when you got up from prayer, you were going to be a better person? But that's what happens when you really pray. How our lives are impacted. How a simple prayer, the simple act of prayer, is capable of helping you and I deal with everything that we face in life. And I'm going to prove that to you in just a moment. You say, Brother Hughes, you mean everything? I mean absolutely lock, stock, barrel, Everything that you encounter in life can be found in the atmosphere of prayer. So why shouldn't you pray? I mean, if that is true, why should I not pray? And I want to say emphatically tonight, I mean, I want to drill it down in your mind. I want to drive the nail in and bend it over that you and I cannot afford not to pray. I don't care how busy you are. I don't care how inadequate you feel you are. I don't care what your excuses are. You and I cannot afford to not pray because there are just too many benefits from prayer to ignore them. I mean, it's like sitting on a gold mine and living in poverty. That's what prayer is. It's, it's like sitting on top of the riches of the world, the riches of God, but never being able to crack open the safe and embracing them as yours and dying of starvation because you don't realize what you have. If you and I could ever see what is wrapped up in prayer, you would want to pray more and more, and you would find yourself doing exactly what Paul said, pray without ceasing. You know what I believe? I believe that Paul got a glimpse of what Jesus was teaching his disciples, and he began to incorporate that into his life, so much so that it got to be a moment by moment, second by second. He just lived in an atmosphere of prayer because he found that when he lived there, there were things gained in prayer that he could not gain anywhere else. Not in a board meeting. Not in a self-help club, not in any other means, not even in worship, but only in prayer. So I want to emphasize to you tonight that you can never, listen to me, you, you need to write this in your mind. You and I can never rise above the level of our prayer. You never will. 
And there are people that are struggling tonight. There are people that's been inconsistent all of their life when it comes to church. And it's because their prayer life has never been developed and it's never been embraced. Prayer has always been something they've had to do, not something that they can do or they get to do. And it's always an obligation. And so they have never risen above certain issues because they've never discovered that when you go to prayer, all the issues that life brings you and all the issues that you face in life are encompassed. They are dealt with in prayer. And God has answers for them. And so when you pray, God empowers you to answer and know how to deal with and know how to go through the things that you're going through. And so you and I will never rise higher than our prayer life. Never. Amen. Everybody say never. Never rise prior. Because without prayer, listen to me, without prayer, you will try to deal with the things of life from a strictly human perspective. And that is impossible. I don't care how smart, how much money, you don't have enough money. You don't have enough intelligence. You don't have enough brilliance to know how to outdo or maneuver your way through. And so when you do not pray or I do not pray, we put ourselves at a disadvantage. And so now we begin to deal with everything on the human level. And when you begin to deal with life on the human level, you know what happens? You get frustrated. You get angry. You get revenge. You do all all of these antics that we see going on all around us every day because people are trying to deal with life from a strictly human level and even the multi-billionaire Trump cannot come up with an answer for every problem that's in his life and he can't buy his way out of the dilemmas that he finds himself in. Neither can the alcoholic because he's still trying to deal with his alcoholism from the level of his humanity and you can't break those addictions from that level. you got to learn what it is to get on your knees and begin to talk to God and when you do, there's an empowerment that comes into your life that will help you deal with those issues that you are struggling with. Many of the frustrations of life are because we do not practice prayer. Amen. Jesus taught that prayer is about relationship. He said, our Father. If you don't get anything else, you need to write that down tonight. Prayer teaches me about relationship. Number one, I am not alone. That when you go to prayer, the first premise that God gives us is you have this confidence. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. You're not an island. But I am with you. He teaches us that we have an affiliation with somebody that can help us. There's somebody that we are connected to that has the answer to where we are. And Jesus taught not only that there is a relationship there, but when we really learn the power of prayer, we learn that there's also responsibility in life. And by that I mean there has to be some ownership. 
There has to be some admitting of certain things. And so when a person really learns how to pray and pray the way Jesus tried to teach his disciples, you need to understand that it's about a relationship. But it's also about a responsibility that you have got to get up and do certain things. And you, even though you pray about those things, you cannot walk away and wash your hands and say, I don't have anything else to do with this. That you still have things that you are responsible for being involved in. There's a lot of people that go to prayer as if it's just a dumping station. They just back up their big vehicle, pile up with all kind of trash and garbage, beep, 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 and they put that button and prayer, just dump all of that stuff on God. And then when we get through, we say, oh, man, I feel so good. Put our, and drive back off and go fill that truck back up. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not just an unloading area. Prayer is an inloading area. Prayer is a place where we realize there's some responsibility on my part. He said, forgive us our debts. How? As we forgive our debtors. Oh, God, where are you at in all this? He said, I'm right here in the middle of it, but I'm not doing what you can do. I'm going to do what I can do. There's some responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. And so we discovered last week that prayer encompasses the whole of life. Present needs, past failures, future decisions. i, I got to hurry. So tonight, I want to help you. I hope so. I help you see why prayer is so vital and that you and I must pray. And this is what I want to draw your attention to for the next few moments. I want to draw your attention to what Jesus taught us in that prayer. What He taught us. When He said those phrases, when He said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is. Give us this. What did He teach us when He was teaching us that particular phrase or that part not just something to repeat, but what was he trying to get us to understand? And so that's where we're going to begin tonight, what this prayer teaches us about life. And if you can see this, if I can help you, and I pray, I've been struggling all day in my mind, to God, please help me communicate tonight. But if I can help you see what prayer will do for you, it will revolutionize your life. Number one, this prayer, and not only this prayer, but prayer, teaches us that He has thought of all of the areas of need in my life. That when you look at the prayer as a whole, it encompasses every aspect of my human life. My needs, my failures, my frustrations. Now you tell me what doesn't fall in life under one of those three categories. And they're all encompassed in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray.
So when we go to prayer, we go to prayer knowing that God is already aware of every detail, every aspect, every secret, every unknown factor in my life, God is already aware of that. And when we pray, those needs will be met and they will be ministered to. In prayer, He put so much for us to be encouraged by. And the first thing was that everything, everybody say everything, everything about your life I've already thought about and I've already provided for. So if you go to talk to somebody and you know that already before you get there, they've already, they know everything about you. I mean, they've done background checks. They've done research. They know where you were born. They knew how much you weighed. They know who your parents were. They knew when you had your first hiccup. And not only they know that, but they've already brought together the resources that are needed to help that person. Why wouldn't you want to pray to somebody like that? Why wouldn't you want to talk to somebody like that on a regular basis? And so when you go read the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. The daily present needs, the past problems, my failures, my mistakes, the mistakes of others, the people who have hurt me. How do I deal with that? How do I handle people being mean and hurtful and doing things to my... He taught us in the prayer, everything, everybody say it again, everything, everything, all the areas of need in my life can be ministered to in prayer. Number two, this prayer, this lesson Jesus taught us is that prayer reveals to us how much God cares about us. How much God cares. He is concerned about the everyday affairs of my life. Daily bread. Now, bread. Let's just take that word bread. Everybody say bread. Don't go to sleep on me. Bread. Bread. Now we understand, first of all, that that connotates food. Nourishment for our body. So God is concerned about whether we have something to eat or not. But that word bread has a deeper meaning than just food. The word can also be translated currency. Money. Finances. Bread. Somebody say, you got any bread on you? They're not talking about rainbow. They're not talking about seven grain wheat. They're asking you if you've got any money. So... The Lord taught His disciples, you can trust me with not only your physical needs, but your financial needs. And that when you come to me, 
in prayer and you began to walk with me and commune with me in prayer, that I want you to know that I am aware of those things. Daily bread, the currency of life, the substance of life, the necessities of life are meant by this. But it also speaks of the routine, the regular, those things that come every day, the bills, the details of life, the many parts of life. He said, when you pray, you need to be aware that I already know all about those details in your life. You know what? That in itself ought to encourage you to want to pray because ain't nobody else knows you like that. Hey, you think your spouse knows you? Your spouse doesn't know half about you. Because all of us keep some little secret something somewhere we don't want anybody to know. But he knows. He knows. He knows all those little parts and prayer helps us understand that he will help us in all of those things. Those things that you can't talk to your spouse about. Those things that you can't talk to your friends about. Those things that you can't discuss in public or any even in private. He knows about those things. So when you come to Him in prayer, daily bread. Everybody say daily bread. And all you ever thought He was talking about was just a loaf of bread and something to get you by so that, oh, thank God for the food today. That's why we pray over our meals. Old friend, listen to me. If that's all you understand about God's provision, you don't even understand half about God. God's more interested in that deeper part of my life. And when I pray, prayer helps me understand that He will help me in those secret little details of my life. Number three, this prayer reminds us that the only way to really live life successfully is one day at a time. Give us this day. Everybody say it again. Give us this Day, our daily bread. Now you say, Brother Hughes, let's go on to the next point. But you know what? The truth is, if you and I really examined our life right now, most of us would not be living in the present. You're already thinking what you got to do tomorrow and you've got stuff. And some of you are worried about what happened yesterday and how all that's going to work out. And all that he's asking us to do is just live a day at a time. You can't go back and undo. You can deal with the past by forgiveness and repentance, but you can't undo the past. So quit trying to spend your life trying to undo something that you can never undo and quit trying to frustrate. It's like trying to teach a pig to sing. It's going to frustrate you and annoy the pig. You cannot change the past. But we keep trying to go back and relive it or remake it or redoing it, thinking if we can get back there, we can fix everything. You can't go back there and fix everything. You have to repent. That's why repentance is so important. You have to learn how to forgive. That's why forgiveness is so vital. And you have to learn how to live a day at a time. That doesn't mean you don't plan for the future. 
But your planning does not get you to the place where you are frustrated and worried about what that what that future out there holds. You gotta come back to the fact that he is a daily bread provider. And so if he is a daily bread provider, it leads me to my next point, and that is the next benefit of prayer, is that it helps you keep the unknown of tomorrow in the right place. And that's in his hands. And it helps you keep the past where it belongs, and that's behind his back. That's what the scripture says he does with your past. When you bring it to him and you confess and you you repent, he puts it behind his back. So when you pray, prayer helps you filter through all this. All that stuff you're struggling with right now, all the guilt, the condemnation, all the rebukes and all of the ifs and ands and whatevers and the scenarios that we play out in our mind, all of that goes on. That's why some people say, well, I can't live for God. That's why I'm not living for God now. I'm going to, one of these days I'm going to get my act together and I'm going to get, I'm, I'm going to, you're not ever going to get your act together. God's not wanting you to get your act together. He's not wanting you to get good to get God Get God, and then he'll help you get good. And so when we learn the value of prayer, and when we read this Lord's Prayer, we realize that God included in prayer those unknowns of tomorrow. And he said, if you will just trust me and leave it in my hand, then I can take care of it. If you can take care of today, this is what prayer ought to teach you. If you can take care of today, my daily bread, then surely you can take care of my tomorrow. All right, so if you can trust him for daily bread, you can trust him for tomorrow's bread. This aspect of prayer alone is worth your time being here tonight. Because listen to me, if you can embrace this one thought, it will reduce fear in your life. It will reduce worry in your life. It will reduce frustration in your life. It will reduce anxiety in your heart. It will reduce uncertainty in your mind. It will reduce insecurity in your emotions. It will reduce indecision in your mind. And it will reduce doubt in your heart. If you will just understand that when you go to prayer and you begin to talk to God, God has included in that in that atmosphere of prayer the things that are needed to minister to your fear, your worry, your anxieties, your unknowns, your insecurities, the indecisions, the doubt, the frustration, all of that is found in the atmosphere of prayer. Somebody said amen. The next point is if we will learn to pray, this prayer will teach us to be satisfied with the provisions that God makes in our life. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. That when you learn to pray, you will learn to become satisfied with God's provision that are made for your life. There are a lot 
a frustrated people that sit on pews, and some of them don't even sit on pews anymore, but they're frustrated because they're not satisfied with the answer that God's already given them. And I've got news for you. Until you learn to be satisfied with what He's given you, He ain't given you anything else. You're not moving. He's not going to move you on to the second grade even though you failed first grade. God's not like our public school system that's trying to keep their ratings up and don't want to make the teacher look bad. He said, this ain't about me, honey. You need to go back and... And so you and I are never going to advance in life and become what God wants us to be until we learn this simple fact that we need to be satisfied with the things that God provides. You say, but it's not enough. Let it be enough until more comes. I know people, I don't even need to be here tonight, but I know people that won't go to work for $10 an hour because they think they're worth $20 an hour, so they'd rather sit home on their behind and gripe about the government and gripe about somebody in the church. Why ain't the church helping me? You know what my dad told me? He said, son, I'm going to tell you something about life. If all life offers you is a job digging ditches, you better get out and dig a ditch because I don't want any son that has my name sitting around on his backside when he could be out at least making an effort. And you know what I learned? I learned that when I got out and tried to help myself, God would come in and open doors for me. But He never opened a door for that $20 an hour job until I was satisfied with that $10 an hour job that He gave me that wasn't enough, but I made it work. Because when God gives you something, it's going to be enough. You need to learn how to modify your expectations. You you living on ten dollars a week, you can't live, you can't you can't ride in a twenty dollar a week automobile. I mean, it don't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. But until you and I learn how to be satisfied with the provision that He has given us, we're never gonna be able to see even the what God's got prepared for us. When you become satisfied you will also find this, this, Brother Hughes, I just feel so happy. I, I, I don't know how, I just feel this joy in my life all of a sudden. I, I, I don't know how to explain. I get up in the morning, I'm not depressed, I'm not mean, I'm not beating the dog and kicking the cat. I, I, I get up in the morning and I smile, I feel happy, I feel fulfilled. I, there, there's a contentment in my life. What did Paul say? Paul said, I know what it is to be exalted and I know what it is to be Abased, and I have learned that in whatsoever state, whether it be Texas or Louisiana or poverty 
<laughs> or popularity. I've learned in whatsoever state to be content. And doesn't he go on to say in that same portion of Scripture somewhere a little further on that my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory? All right, I'm going to move. What time is it? Somebody better help me. I got off the pulpit up here. I don't even know what time. I better stop. This is my last one. When you learn how to pray, one of the greatest benefits and blessings of prayer is that it helps lend balance to your life. And by that, I mean it helps us remember where everything comes from. That we're not the source of it, even though we might think we are. I'm a self-made man. God didn't help me get what I've got. I got it myself. Well, who gave you the seed to sow? Did you create? You know what I've, I've discovered? I, I, I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. You know what? In all of man's ability to do what they've done... Man has never been able to produce a seed that could produce life. Now think about that. Man can genetically manipulate a lot of stuff, and we can alter things, but they have yet to develop a seed that has the power to give life. They have to start with something. That's what I'm talking about. That's what prayer teaches you. That this is not about us. It's about Him. It's about His creation. It's about God who said, in the beginning, let there be light. Did God need light? He is light. What's He need light for? He created that light for us. He said... Let there be a firmament. Let there be a heaven. Does God need a heaven? He don't need a heaven. Does God need fish? Does He need trees? God made all of that for us. So when you learn to pray, when you learn how valuable prayer is, and when you learn that when you get down and you start talking to God, it kind of it brings life back into balance, it, and and I I put I put this down. I hope. Well, I better be careful. But prayer helps deal with that selfishness that's in all of us. It's all about me. No man has ever created a seed that will grow. All life comes from Him. And when you learn to pray, it helps you remember where everything comes from. It's so easy to get out of balance living in the times that we live in. If you are not careful and you listen to all the stuff that's coming to you on a daily basis, 
No wonder our world is messed up. No wonder our world is in such chaos. When you hear all of the things that are being said and everything is changing, my Lord, everything is changing so rapidly. We don't even have time to um, sit down and say, now, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Five years from now, we might figure out that was not a good move. But all of that's going on in life. And so the only logical way to deal with life as it is right now is to learn how to pray. Because prayer helps keep balance in life. And it helps you from getting out of kelter, as my pop used to say. I don't know what that means, but life can get out of kelter. Amen. It can get wadded up. It can get tense. It can get wound up. You ever, these new washing machines that don't use a lot of water, we, we had one in our, our travel trailer. It was a little old bitty compact washer-dryer combination, and you could put about three things in there, and that was it. But I'm telling you, it would wad those pants up. There are so many. I've got blue jeans right now I can't even wear. Well, maybe I could because that's an end thing, but they've got so many wrinkles, iron won't take it out. That's life. Life can do that to you on a daily basis. That's why Jesus, when his disciples came to him and said, can you teach us how to pray? He didn't just teach them how to pray. He taught them what prayer could do for them how you will be advantaged if you will learn to pray. And that it's not selfish. Did you notice that in that prayer there's not one personal pronoun that's dealing with you? There's no I, me, mine. Our Father, give us, forgive us, lead us, deliver us. It's because God knew that all of us would struggle with selfishness. And so he taught us that in prayer, prayer will help you deal with your self-centeredness. Prayer will help you deal with this idea that everybody owes you something and everybody's supposed to help you and cater to you. My God, I'm meddling right now. Oh, are you recording all this? Let's stand together. I've got some more, but you don't have... I don't know if your posterior can handle the rest of it. And I know some of your eyelids are getting a little heavy. God, help us to learn some things about prayer. My Lord, When I the, every time I go back to the book now, every time I read it, there's something else about what He taught His disciples that speaks to me. There's things that I haven't even... I haven't even began to scratch the surface of. But that's God, because God has thought of everything. And as smart as some of us think we are, we haven't thought of everything. I used to get annoyed when years ago I, I hunted with some men. And they had they were they were they were hunters. I mean I was just a drugstore cowboy, but they were real hunters, and they've been doing it for years. Well, I remember showing up at a deer camp to go hunting with them. 
And I don't know what I was thinking, but I didn't bring any kind of warm clothes. And it was already 35 degrees. I, I didn't know that by the night's end it was going to be 28 degrees. I remember laying in that bed, and I was just taking like this. And I was listening, and those guys were there. Wrapped up in their down-filled sleeping bags. <laughs> Next morning I get up. I'm shaking. I put my, my honey clothes on. I didn't have any insulated, nothing that was thick enough to keep the cold out. These guys, they put all this stuff on. They come out like grizzly bears. And, come on, we're going to go hunting today. I remember sitting on that stand, and I just freeze. I mean, if a deer had walked out, it wouldn't have done it. I'd have never been able to pull the trigger. I just, and I came back to camp that day, and I, it got. It was funny by then. It was not funny when I was chattering, but it was funny. And I said, "My Lord, how I didn't even think of half of that." And they, this guy, I'm not exaggerating. He pulls out a typed sheet of paper front and back of all of the things that he would bring with him when he came hunting. I looked at that and I thought, wow. <laughs> Who would have thought of that? <laughs> but you know what? As good as that man was before that hunting trip was over, he got to looking at his list, and he had forgotten something. But folks, listen to me. God hadn't forgot about anything. He said, oh, Brother Hughes, this is 2013. There, there's no way that the disciples could have understood what day we're living in. God did, because he created the day. So he knows, he knows about the unexpected things that come into life. He knows about all the things that happen. God has everything that you need in that atmosphere of prayer. And when you learn to pray, you're going to begin to discover answers, solutions. You're going to begin to discover direction. You're going to get up from there and you're going to find yourself in, it's a mood-altering experience. It's an attitude adjustment hour. I mean, even five minutes of it can, it can drastically alter your heart rate. Why not pray? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for your blessings, Lord. Thank you for these people. I pray, God, that you will help us understand and embrace the wonderful message that you have given us in the power of prayer. God, I pray that you will minister and move in this sanctuary. 
God, help us as we begin to make our own discoveries, what you're speaking to us, what, what your word is saying to us, and what is trying to get us to understand, and what is leading us into, what is trying to develop in our life is to make us better people and stronger people and overcoming people and bring us to that place where you want us to be. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.